not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. Recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au and whatever podcasting app you use. And don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. My name is Kay Wenigal, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts Laura Perry and Michael Steindl. Morning, Kay. Morning, Mike. Good morning, both. Today we're speaking to Dr Stephen White, who leads CSIRO's Energy Efficiency Research. He manages the Engaged Communities Program in the Low Carbon Living Cooperative Research Centre, LCL, CRC it stands for. He served on numerous national committees, helping to inform government policy on building energy efficiency. He is also an international expert on solar air conditioning and refrigeration, where he's served on various international and national committees. Today we're going to be discussing the two-year Energy Fit Homes project that he's been leading the research on. This research shows significant support for the National Voluntary Home Energy Efficiency Disclosure System and this is empowered to, um, designed to empower consumers to rate and value homes with lower running costs and benefits to health, comfort and sustainability. Welcome Dr White, thanks for joining us today. Hi, good to be here. Yeah, lovely that you can make the time. So you've been working in this industry for quite a while now. Can you tell us, tell our listeners what got you interested in this area initially? Uh, I guess with most things, you you, you kind of fall into it. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was working on uh, energy efficiency uh, solutions and, uh, you know, you follow your nose for, uh, for where the greatest opportunity is. Uh, and this is one where I guess there's a win-win for everyone. Um, and so uh, it's a very exciting place uh, to be working and, uh, and I think we're gradually making a difference. Mm, yeah, certainly it's an area that there's a lot of pent-up demand for. Mm. And your team um, recently completed two years of research into the Energy Fit Homes project. And during that time, you established that 92% of housing consumers want energy efficiency details revealed in building inspection reports. That's a massive number, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge number, um, and uh, and I guess that goes to uh, kind of a, a latent interest. Um, I, I think I would uh, caution on that a little bit in terms of, you know, what's a first-order thing that people are looking for uh, versus second-order uh, issues, and I think it would be fair to say that um, most people, a bit like sort of insurance products, um, are kind of not... Uh, uh, sort of desperately looking for, uh, for the next thing, but uh, but they recognise that it is just uh, good, plain, common sense. Uh, and so if they can get that information in a readily accessible, understandable form, then they'll, uh, they'll jump for it. I think it was uh, something like um, uh, 56%, so you know, a certain step down there, were willing to actually pay for that information. Uh, and in our survey work, even 44% would be willing to pay up to $200. So, you know, there's, uh, there's quite an appetite um, there. And do you think that this is a, a growing 
um, trend that people really want to see energy efficiency in their home? Uh, I think so. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, if I go over the last uh, 10 years of my work um, and, uh, you know, the general whole, uh, climate or level of, uh, of interest in these things and the importance people attach to it uh, is, uh, is just gradually ratcheting up. And I think now um, more than ever um, people are looking for this. Uh, and we've also had sort of electricity bill um, spikes uh, and stuff associated with um, uh, large amount of, uh, of required network investment uh, and stuff and so you know people are feeling a little bit more sort of energy hardship uh, and so looking for ways to save energy. Mm. Uh, the good thing also was on the uh, supply side Dr White that um, your figures I think revealed that 90% of building professionals and tradespeople um, supported providing this information at the time of sale or lease so there is a pent-up demand it seems. Uh, yeah absolutely um, and uh, we're uh, actively um, talking with um, with the HIA and uh, and other um, uh, industries, um, looking at ways of uh, of getting the uh, information out uh, in ways that are uh, much uh, easier to to understand or or uh, sort of resonate more. Um, and uh, you know, there's a there's a supply chain there that um, that's got products and services um, willing to um, provide. Uh, energy efficiency um, for people. And in um, Europe and America, where they've had some experience with this, I understand that it actually reflected in the prices of the home. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, so this was uh, around using uh, a label. Uh, so if you, um, a bit like a, on, on your dishwasher, you've got your kind of five-star um, or, or ten-star uh, label, and the, you know, the more stars you've got, the more energy efficient. So in this case, um, we're not talking about running costs uh, directly because uh, every user uh, is different but you know the the actual um, components of the house and uh, and you know how uh, efficient are they under um, a set of constraints so if you can give that information um, you know people can look at it and they can assess for themselves uh, as a comparator whether one home is um, is going to be lower running costs for them is going to be more comfortable to uh, to live in uh, etc and uh, and then they can make a, a choice as to whether they would, um, uh, I guess, attach a, a premium to that and offer a higher price for sale. Uh, and that is already happening in the ACT, uh, where they have disclosure of this information. And uh, if you look at the um, sale documentation there, you can see that um, there's, a, um, there's a logo um, with, um, with coloured in stars. Um, so that's you know uh, already happening in the ACT, and there's uh, an Australian Bureau of Statistics report that shows that that uh, increases the value uh, of a home if you have a higher star rating. And there's similar uh, effects. You know, we reviewed all the different schemes around uh, the world and uh, and looked at their effectiveness. Uh, and uh, I guess it would be fair to say that um, you know the uh, increasing value of a house. Um, was uh, significant uh, in a number of jurisdictions. Uh, and the jurisdictions where it's uh, most effective are ones where there is some kind of um, policy uh, arrangement that's, um, that's linked to that. Um, so, you know, in Germany, um, there, the uh, KFW uh, Efficiency House label uh, there uh, awards points 
and then that gets you uh, eligibility for loans um, at uh, concessional rates and so there that is a very effective way of, uh, of com- um, uh, incentivizing uh, the market and uh, you know the similar things in the United States um, where you, know, you can go around all the different states and so you've got you know quite a nice sort of um, sample there and you can see just how, how much impact these uh, these ratings uh, have often when they're linked to uh, some form of um, of support policy uh, from government uh, as well. Well, that's a bit unfortunate. We live in Australia then, isn't it? Well, um, I, I don't know. Uh, we uh, we're, we're getting there, um, and uh, and you know there's a there's a number of, uh, of good things uh, on the cusp there, and there's a, there's a high degree of um, support uh, across industry uh, and government now to uh, to implement uh, these kinds of things. So uh, so I'm quite optimistic about where we're going here. Absolutely. Have you found that a uh, your experiences a one-off assessment is enough to understand the full energy efficiency or is it an ongoing um, sort of assessment that to get a holistic view of what's being what's happening in the house uh, so yeah I did uh, did mention that uh, you know the the idea of uh, of uh, creating a rating is based on some sort of standardised assumptions of uh, of usage because uh, you know if you've got a family of five, um, uh, then you're going to have a different consumption profile than uh, if you're a single occupant who goes off to work um, uh, all the time and, uh, and is never at home, kind of thing. So measuring actual energy consumption versus some kind of uh, synthesis of uh, efficiency uh, is um, you know they're two kind of Different things, so uh, we would support that you need um, sort of tools and uh, and advice to help with uh, with both scenarios. At the point of sale, you're trying to um, to attach the home quality. Um, as, uh, as as the metric and so that's why you use the standardised form rather than the actual uh, energy consumption of the past user. Uh, and so there's a need to um, uh, include both uh, the design of the house, um, you know, so the, uh, you've got an insulated house, uh, what's the orientation of the windows, uh, what is um, the materials of construction uh, and stuff, and then you also need to include the efficiency of the appliances themselves. And, uh, uh, you know, we've uh, historically had uh, good regulation avoiding um, uh, sort of poorly performing products, but now this by putting in this kind of stamp that shows, you know, what benchmarks where you can be relative to what's the best possible, uh, then that sort of um, creates some some push and some market incentive to uh, to go to higher performing houses rather than just the bare minimum. So when you talk about um, the the performance of the house. Um, you're part of the Low Carbon Living Cooperative Research Centre. Do you look at the low carbon impact that building materials have on the property? Uh, yes, we've uh, we've got uh, eight uh, impact pathways that we call them inside the Low Carbon Living CRC, uh, and one of them is uh, is right specifically around uh, embedded uh, carbon inside uh, the materials. So, um, so you know, if we provide. Um, uh, or do research around um, the uh, the accounting uh, of that, so that um, we can make available uh, numbers, so that people can uh, can crunch those and work out uh, how much um, savings we can make, and try to help with uh, developing standards and stuff, so that um, 
so that consultants and, uh, and contractors can use the material with, uh, with confidence and uh, without fear of litigation. So that would be part of that assessment, would it, of the House? Uh, so in, the, in what we've been looking at in terms of um, disclosure at, um, at point of sale in, in the real estate industry, uh, the uh, embodied carbon is not um, part of that. It's, uh, it's an operational uh, energy um, carbon assessment. Oh, okay. Right. We'll get there, <laughs> hopefully quicker, sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah. Just a reminder, if you've um, recently joined us, you're listening to the Beyond Zero Emissions Show and we're talking to Dr. Stephen White, and we're talking about low-carbon living and the national, a national voluntary home energy efficiency disclosure scheme. Dr. White, can you give us a bit more detail on what energy efficiency and comfort measures you would use for a home? Uh, so the um, the methodologies that we're uh, using at the moment um, uh, look at... Um, using software that actually um, predicts the amount of heating and cooling required to maintain the home at a comfortable temperature within uh, a certain uh, band of temperature that uh, that's healthy and uh, and reasonably comfortable to live in. You know, it's a reasonably wide band of temperatures, so we're not trying to uh, corral every, everyone into uh, 23 degrees plus or minus uh, half a degree or anything like that. Um, but working out the amount of uh, heating uh, in winter and cooling in summer and working out how much energy that is uh, and then looking at uh, how much energy an air conditioner would, uh, would consume in order to maintain that temperature. Uh, and then looking at the energy consumption of other fixed uh, items like lighting and hot water and adding them in for a um, at least a base building energy consumption. You know, I don't think uh, we would be looking at the energy consumption of um, plug loads like TVs and um, and things like that, which are much more discretionary items for uh, for each household. But the sort of the fixed appliances uh, that are in the house when you are uh, at point of sale. What about if a house was to have shading from trees or um, a lattice on one side? I mean, these are naturally Yeah, yeah the, mod- the modelling um, takes that uh, into account uh, and uh, takes into account the orientation of the windows uh, so that your know, northerly aspect cre- um, enables um, lots of daylight to come in in, uh, in winter um, but uh, stops the heat of the sun uh, in summer. So we take those things uh, into account. Uh, and, of course, um, solar PV generation generation uh, we'd want to incorporate into a um, uh, into an overall home energy um, label as well so mm-hmm. that uh, those homes that have got solar panels and uh, uh, have uh, reduced um, energy and carbon emissions as a result of that would uh, would see the benefit in terms of a higher rating for commercial buildings there's the neighbors rating for environmental mm-hmm. performance of a building and also the green star which is the rating for the environmental design and construction of a building. So is, do they overlap at all with the scheme that you're proposing? Uh, so, uh, you know, these are, these are good schemes in, uh, in the commercial building space. So the neighbours rating is an as-used. Um, and so you corral um, particular building types with uh, certain building usages. So, for example, um, you know, commercial buildings, commercial um, uh, towers kind of thing. And you can have some level of confidence that what's going on inside that building is reasonably similar um, there. And so you can take um, the 
actual energy consumption, that's what's um, sitting uh, on your energy bill, how much electricity you consumed and uh, convert that into um, an energy consumption, that sort of shows, well, how efficient is it? And there, again, there, that's focusing on uh, on the base building. Uh, so that one's a uh, as-used, which... Um, uh, is really good um, and is pr- probably uh, the best you could do, but it does rely on the um, the assumption that sort of uh, the usage is uh, is reasonably standardised. Unfortunately, in the residential space, usage is uh, is not standardised. As I was uh, saying before, you know the difference between people living at home all, all day, um, uh, people perhaps that have um, uh, high energy needs for health problem reasons or what have you. You know you can't sort of compare them on a like for like basis with um with people who, uh, uh, when the home is relatively empty and uh, we don't have teenagers taking showers and uh, things like that, so uh, so so that's why we actually uh, in the residential space actually go on um, uh, on on a design uh, rating uh, in apartment. Towers. Uh, there's um, neighbours are introducing a sort of a base building for apartment towers, um, which is sort of more the inner city living. And again, that's, that makes that makes good sense because the base building of the apartment tower should be relatively similar from uh, one location to another. Seeing as um, we're talking about retrofitting homes to become more efficient, aren't we? In a lot of cases, mm. um, yep. what's been your experience uh, with the large rent market in Australia? Oh, well, that's, uh, that's a good question. Obviously, there's, um, uh, there's uh, barriers there where the landlord uh, doesn't necessarily have the incentive to, uh, to provide comfort and uh, low energy bills that, um, that ends up being the renter that actually experiences. So there's kind of um, an issue there. And I think there's a need to transform the conversation uh, if we're going to sort of um, touch the mainstream to transform the conversation to uh, to show that um, an efficient, comfortable home is one that attracts um, uh, higher value. So in the commercial building market, uh, you know, it is well established now that a high star rating uh, commercial building, uh, the actual value of the asset, the building itself, goes up when it has a higher star rating. We haven't got that um, sort of understanding uh, percolating through the residential market. You know, people sort of want their home cinema or their uh, <laughs> uh, extra metres squared of, uh, of living area kind of thing as a, uh, as a preference. But what, we've done a lot of work kind of surveying um, people, you know, what they're looking for in a house. And we just haven't managed to make the connection with a lot of things that they're actually asking for with um, the uh, what environmentally sustainable housing can actually provide. So a more sustainable home is more comfortable to live in and our survey work shows that comfort is one of the single highest things that people are looking for in the home. And that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, if um, you were... um, uh, you know, the whole reason for why we, we build homes is to uh, shelter from the elements. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it makes a whole lot of sense. We've done a whole lot of focus group research around that. You know, comfort means a whole lot of different things to different people. But that whole concept of something that's um, naturally warm in winter, naturally cool in summer, good ventilation, um, natural daylight kind of thing, those things do come through very, very strongly as things that people are looking for. So we've actually got to link 
those kinds of things uh, in to create a kind of a mainstream conversation around how much better uh, and more valuable and environmentally um, sustainable home is. I, I hope that interest applies across the sexes. I was just reading an article yesterday about uh, how men won't buy environmentally friendly products because it's seen as too feminine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephen, the, given this level of interest, how would you implement such a scheme? Uh, so, uh, you know, we've, we've actually got to, uh, you know, we can't have multiplicity of, uh, of schemes uh, across uh, the way um, uh, sort of confusing everyone. We need uh, some quite uh, simple um, schemes that are that are well articulated um, from the um, the new build through to um, to the point of sale, so that everyone knows what a star means. So I think um, you know that's what uh, what's happening now. And in the National Energy Productivity Plan that the federal government uh, is is putting in place uh, with the uh, states and territories, um, they're they're currently Currently investigating uh, exactly that, and there's a there's a strong dialogue. So I would expect to see um, uh, a uh, an organisation uh, set up to uh, to actually implement this, to uh, put in the infrastructure that would uh, enable people to um, to look uh, at the uh, at the rating uh, of a home to actually get it implemented um, probably through the building inspection um, sort of part of the um, the um, sale um, process uh, and have some um, strong trusted advisor um, body that is actually you know giving the imprimatur that that this is not um, sort of a snake oil um, stamp that you know this actually does mean something uh, concrete I think we've got to work very strongly with uh, the real estate agents. Um, so recently, CSIRO acquired the livability intellectual property off of uh, LJ Hooker, uh, which is um, uh, which is a framework for uh, real estate agents to be able to identify the features uh, that are environmentally sustainable in homes and to actually bring them to the fore and actually have a conversation uh, around those things. So that, I think that's a that's a step forward. And again, getting it into um, uh, into a sort of a trusted agency to be able to be able to to be uh, compelling um, in the communication of this material, I think, is really important. So uh, yeah, there's there's a, there's a number of features. It's not just a matter of throwing out the uh, some sort of rating tool and uh, and saying go use this tool. Uh, it needs a a whole ecosystem around it, uh, including uh, you know channels to market through the real estate agents uh, and uh, and trusted advisor um, research uh, and administration in the background. So th- this would be a government led and possibly government um, organised unit that would be providing that, would it? Uh, yes, I would expect um, so, um, and uh, ideally a sort of a, a coalition. Um, and uh, you know, I think uh, having uh, industry involved so that uh, we've got um, stakeholders, uh, all the stakeholders sort of working together uh, on this, and I think that's one of the really pleasing things is that uh, I think there's pretty broad agreement that this is, uh, this is a good idea. And at the moment, I think, is Neighbours supported by the government? 
Uh, Neighbours has run out of the uh, New South Wales uh, government um, and uh, their uh, advisory board has, has got uh, good in- industry consultation uh, as well. But it seems to be national, is it? Uh, so it um, so neighbours started in New South Wales, but it's been adopted nationally. And the commercial building disclosure scheme, which is the commercial building equivalent of what we're talking about today, uh, is now national. Yeah, mm. but it's still run out of uh, out of New South Wales. And, and just for our listeners, neighbours isn't the usual spelling. It's N A B E R S, the National Building yep. Energy Rating System. And yep. I don't think we've mentioned today there's also a domestic one, NATHERS or NATHERS, National N-A-T-H-E-R-S. Yeah, uh, National Home Energy Rating Scheme. <clears throat> and so um, that uh, is a scheme which is um, uh, called on by the National Construction Code. Uh, and so that is uh, around a software protocol um, which uh, enables um, builders to be able to um, flexibly design uh, homes to meet the energy efficiency requirements of the code. So, um, so you know, I don't think um, that NATAS is likely to be directly a communication tool to the um, to the consumer because um, it's uh, it's probably uh, more complex. But what it does give is a, a whole level of flexibility to enable uh, builders uh, and industry to find the uh, most cost effective ways of delivering the energy efficiency. You know, through getting the building orientation right, through selecting the right materials, etc. And yeah, that's a reasonably complex um, sort of equation. And uh, you know, our research has shown that um, even as we've been ratcheting up the um, uh, the energy efficiency stringency in the code, what we've discovered is that uh, that builders are still able to uh, find ways of um, of constructing homes um, at um, similar costs. So you know, again, I come back to the fact that this is kind of win win for everyone. Um, uh, sustainable homes don't have to be more costly, but boy, they can be a whole lot more comfortable uh, to live in and healthy to live in. And that would be the reasoning behind wanting the market to take it and run with it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. Another thing that always um, confuses me is that a lot of the energy savings can be made by orienting the house in the right direction on the block, but mm. um, that's done at the design level, so architects and builders, whoever's doing the design, make that decision. If that was done right at the outset, then that would lead to a lot of savings. Mm. But is that considered in your scheme at all? Uh, uh, yes, um, that is definitely considered um, and uh, probably a little bit harder to implement than the, than you'd think given that uh, you know it costs nothing just to um, put the windows in the right spot uh, kind of thing. It's the same window. <laughs> it doesn't cost anymore. Um, but uh, the, the kind of issue there, particularly with sort of the volume builders, is that mm. um, the lot orientation doesn't necessarily um, sort of... Um, amenable to uh, to having um, good orientation and uh, the builders quite rightly want to be able to provide a standardised um, product that um, that suits everyone. Unfortunately, um, Dr White, we've just run out of time, I'm sorry, yeah. but um, it's been a fascinating discussion. Thanks very much for your time. Yeah, appreciate the time. Thanks very much. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Change Solutions Think Tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. And before we leave you, Steve, could you just let us know where our listeners can find more information? Yes, 
you can find uh, more information um, at uh, the Low Carbon Living CRC website uh, and also the ASBEC, Australian Sustainable Built Environment Council. Uh, their website has also got some uh, more information on the um, communication needs and rating uh, platforms for uh, sustainable housing. Thanks very much. See you later. Thank you. If you're listening to this show, I'm sure you're in, um, keen to do things about climate action. One of the most effective things is the divestment movement. Since public is supporting the Paris Agreement's two-degree limit, the major banks have lent another $5.6 billion to fossil fuel projects around the world. It's time to send them a clear message. If you choose fossil fuels, your customers will choose another bank. Go to marketforces.org.au to find out about the National Divestment Day on October the 8th. Go to marketforces.org.au to find out about the National Divestment Day on October the 8th. Marketforces.org.au. And if you go soon, you can um, find out about the briefing session in a couple of weeks and be part of it. Thank you.